Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. There are a couple of reasons why I did that. Obviously, it's like lovely to get to know the people around you, but firstly, I'm, I'm taking notes on the things that you guys want to get out of it. But secondly, like I hope that at least a couple of people's needs, challenges, opportunities that they're facing stuck in your mind, that as we interact over the next couple of days because there's meal times there's breaks and all sorts of stuff to just be looking to connect right so like you know there's some no-brainer connections the person who markets for home builders and the person who works in the home building you know there's 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 all sorts of things there and so i want to really emphasize that like the same way i run my community is that uh, as as honored and as humbled as i am that you guys are here to learn from me the most important piece is that we also collaborate, right? That the, no one of us is as smart as all of us. And so uh, definitely work hard to intentionally make connections over the next two days, especially around those now tidbits of information that you have. So today I wanna to kind of introduce what I call the new era model. And I'm really intentional about how I talk about the business model of a coach, of a consultant as I see it. Because many people like to sell you the lightning in a bottle. This is my way and it's the best way and it's the right way. And if you don't do this, you're missing out, you're wrong. You're, this, is, this is just simply how I've seen it within my own business and the evolution uh, of kind of what um, the last few years have taught me. And so obviously I'm a huge advocate, but the, the biggest key here with this session, with everything I'm trying to uh, bring you into, is I don't wanna tell you what to think. I wanna show you how to think. So I'm not trying to, in any of these sessions, trying to prescribe to you, this is the only way to do it. Right? I simply have an experience right, and a, and a pretty decent track record and working with a lot of clients that have a lot of data points to kind of go, here are some of the ideas that I think work best. But the most important thing is that you are all your own researchers. You're, you're, you're Sherlock Holmes. You are uh, testing things out for yourself, that you're kind of taking some ideas and going, I'm gonna run with this. This fits with my model and my vision and what I wanna accomplish, and this doesn't. And that's totally cool, okay? So we don't have to think as if Dan's listing out stuff and going, if you're not doing this, you're out of the club or you're wrong. We can, there are so many ways to build businesses, right? Can we all agree on that? There's so many different ways to do this. There's no right way. With that being said, I just wanna quickly um, talk about 2018, 2019, 2020, and then walk you through the last three years kind of in more detail. So for many of you who know, um, from 18 years old to 28, I was a youth pastor here in the Mount uh, at, a, at a church that Aaron is a part of. And um, that was interesting. <laughs> like It was an amazing, amazing thing, especially uh, I dropped out of school at 16. My background as a family is uh, crazy, to kind of say the least. You know, I've got siblings in and out of jail. My brother is literally the leader of the biggest gang in this city. And so <laughs> everyone's like, do you want a tour of the Filthy Few pad later? Or <laughs> um, And so, so my upbringing was one where I was being programmed to think in a certain way. And my life trajectory seemed like one of drugs and alcohol and violence and gangs. At 10, I was getting stoned. I remember like 2001, which I, when I was 11, uh, you know, I spent it over a toilet bowl uh, on New Year's Eve just because that was the life I was being exposed to. And then I found a youth group when I was 13. And I found all of these amazing older role models. I dropped out of school when I was 16. I actually became hilariously 
the youngest sex ed teacher in New Zealand as a 16 year old who had never had sex. <laughs> so, so, guys, trust me, you want to wait. You know, and everyone's like, uh, and so, so I, 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 went from, uh, I went from high school and literally a few weeks later was working in this uh, retail environment. And I, I right away got given leadership opportunities, which is awesome. I was a retail assistant then I was overseeing like the skate and the shoes. And then I had this job speaking to teenagers and it was much more than sex ed. It was like, it was called Your Choice and it was about life choices and things like that. And long story short, I was so involved in youth ministry. At 17, I went to uh, something called like a church planting school. So I went and like helped a church uh, be planted in uh, Rotorua, which was quite an experience. You know, it was, it was supposed to be six months. I cut it short, short at four and a half. I was like, I think I'm done here. I think the, the smell is kind of like sending me out. Um, and uh, then I found myself in a church here in the Mount. And uh, the conversation started like, you know, hey, Dan, we're looking for a youth pastor. Like, do you happen to know anyone who might be interested? And I was like, no, nah, I don't. But I'll let you know if someone comes to mind, you know. And at that point, there was like the furthest thing from my mind. But long story short, intuitively feel like it's the right thing. And... That then goes from, okay, I think I'm committing to five years, which is an 18 year old is like a millennia. I was like, okay, most youth pastors, their tenure in youth ministry is about 18 months, right? So I was like, I'm gonna give this five years. And then nine years later, uh, I find myself at the start of 2018 and I feel intuitively like it was time to wrap up that season. Now, in the background, I was a closet entrepreneur, not in anything I was doing, but in the way that I was thinking. So. I was uh, overseeing probably about 700 people at the church when the time that I left, but most of what I was learning was from the business world. So if you looked at my Kindle, it was just like all of these different business books and, and, and thinking about entrepreneurship. And so in 2018, I step out of literally the Sunday night. I kind of, we have our leaving thing and it's like, Dan and Liv, yay, nine years. And then the next day I'm like, well, I don't have a job and I have one more week's worth of pay I think I should probably start a business. It was like the most logical thing. I'm like, I, pre I feel pretty unemployable. I, I didn't finish high school. I don't have a degree. And so at that point, the, all the rage in the online space was this idea of SMMA, Social Media Marketing Agency. And so at that point, I start bringing different clients on. In fact, Aaron was one of my first clients. Shout out, Aaron. Um, and so, so I was you know, running ads for people. I was building websites. I was um, managing the social media for New World. Uh, all of these different pieces in play. And at that point, my model was really simple. Everything for everyone, right? I was like, I was like oh, you have a problem to do with digital marketing. I will figure out how to solve it. And I'm like working with contractors and so on. In that first 30 days, I, I make $12,000 cash collected, which was a heck of a lot more than I was making at the time. And then I get introduced to this idea of profit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's revenue, and then there's the money you take home. And I'm, okay. And so uh, that first year was me just testing things. So even in that first 30 days, I'm working and I'm coaching people. I'm coaching a real estate agent on how to use social media to get clients. I'm coaching a personal trainer on how to take his business online. And keep in mind, I'm like staying one step ahead of everyone. Like I'm like, it's kind of like the teacher reading the lesson before they teach you the class. I'm like going through modules of Sam Ovens Consulting Accelerator and figuring all this out. And so in that first year, it was an amazing experience and it was trial by fire. In 2019, uh, I'm getting a lot of shoulder taps from people I know, Logan being one of them. And uh, 
everyone's like, how do you do this marketing agency thing? I think I wanna start it. So me, following the path of the typical guru, I'm like, I'll create a course on it, right? And so I create a $1,000 course called Six Figure Side Hustle, and it starts doing really well, right? So I'm like running ads to a Facebook group, I've got like a webinar in there, and I'm selling it via chat, and I get to twenty dollars to $30,000 a month uh, relatively fast, and so I kill all of the agency stuff, and then we're in, we're in Australia. And long story short, um, we're, we're in Australia, we quickly find out uh, that this is not the place for us, and, and, and my wife, we found out my wife was pregnant like in the process, and so it was just all these different variables, and we decide to come back to New Zealand. So in June of 2019, I've got this $1,000 program that I'm selling, and it's obviously inconsistent and unpredictable, and there's no recurring revenue. And so in 2019, it was kind of version two of the business when I brought Logan on, which was I'm gonna start an agency and it's gonna be solely focused on helping coaches get calls through webinars. So we started a Facebook ads agency and that went from zero to 100K a month in about nine months. And uh, it was, it was uh, a crazy growth trajectory. I think we got to 100K a month with me, Logan, and then like some funnel builders in the Philippines. And so it was like lean, mean, pretty stressful. I was also only in the business two days a week because three to four days a week I was coaching for a guy called Taki Moore who I was previously a client for and then was coaching for him. And um, I'll never forget actually being in Bali, January 2020. Obviously, we have no idea what's about to happen to the world. And I call a mentor of mine, Alex Sharfin, and I'm like, hey man, you know, business just got to seven figures. Uh, I'm working for Taki. I'm stressed out of my mind. I'm drinking every night. I don't know what to do. And Alex uh, is just an amazing human being. He, just, he looks at me and he goes, Dan, you have a seven-figure business and a full-time job. Pick one. <laughs> and I have that conversation with my wife. I'm like, yeah, I was talking to Alex and he said this advice. She's like, that's what I've been saying to you this whole time. <laughs> and it's funny how you need someone else to somehow say the same thing. And so uh, I, I, I give my notice and we focus in on this agency. And the agency is going really well. I start hiring way too many people, right? So basically it's like we've got to 100K a month with no one. And now I'm like, yeah, we need this person, this person. I rent like a house down the mount. It's three levels. <laughs> it's like, and there's all these rooms. I've got all these people working for me and I'm like hating it. And um, in June of 2020, obviously we're deep into COVID at that point where all of our friends are kind of getting money from the government and hanging out and watching Tiger King and spending time on TikTok. And I'm busy like hustling my face off trying to help all these coaches who are freaking out about how to market to their industries. And we get hacked. So June of 2020, we... Uh, one of our team members didn't have security on his Facebook profile. So someone from Vietnam that was literally in our ad account was called Dong Ta, Dong Ta. logged into our ad accounts and started running ads in, the, in Vietnam to counterfeit Calvin Klein undies. <laughs> and they turn up the max that you could spend on every client ad account. And so within a day or two, luckily, well, luckily and unluckily, most of the ad accounts get shut down because Facebook is like, oh, you went from spending $50 a day to $3,000 a day, right? And over the next few weeks between money that Facebook didn't refund, we had to refund to clients because of ad spend because they were not super happy about promoting a G-string, you know, to the Vietnamese. Um, and, then, uh, and then we had to credit every person's billing cycle for every day the ad account was down. So instead of having all the money we thought we were gonna have, we were having people that had ad accounts down for a week or two or three or four. That cost us about $100,000 in cash. So I sit down with Logan and I say, dude, 
this agency model sucks, man. <laughs> like, it's us, it's our clients, and we're in bed with Mark Zuckerberg, right? And it's like, there's this, this is weird trifecta here, and I'm like, I am gonna launch a coaching program. And at this point, I'd been working at a really high level with coaches. I'd coached hundreds and hundreds of hours with Taki. I had now been helping people scale through six into seven, into multiple seven. We helped one client in our agency get to a million dollar month. So I was like, I'm gonna take everything I've learned in this process and I'm gonna launch a coaching program. If you wanna have keep a job, you have to keep this agency running without me because I am no longer interested. And to Logan's credit, the agency stayed above 100K a month and just keep running for a really long time, almost 12 months after that conversation. So in June of 2020, I launch a, a program and one of the things that you uh, need to know my personality is that I don't overthink things, right? So a lot of people actually get stuck in overthinking. For me, the moment I sense that in myself, I just decide to take action with incomplete like information. So literally I'm like sitting down, I'm like, what are we gonna call this program? And I spend like 15 minutes on it, I can't think of anything. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna teach them how to run ads and make money. Great, it's called the Run Ads Make Money Club. <laughs> it was literally the program. And so I start enrolling people into that, it's going really well and then I realized that a lot of the people we have in the program aren't ready to run ads, so I'm like, oh crap, like, you know, we're gonna help them with their offers and organic. Then that evolved it into something called the High Ticket Club. And then over the next 16 months, we grew that from zero to hitting $350,000 in a month cash collected by just focusing on a number of really key things. Like Facebook groups were huge for us. So that was a really big thing that we taught in our clients because it was just really working well for us. Also in that process, I was able to work a number of months one-to-one -one with Alex Hormozzi. So that was really key. So, so I, I've gotten so much from Taki Moore and Sam Ovens and Alex Hormozzi. And this kind of brings us to um, a couple of key years right here. So you guys can see this. So let me walk through this uh, quickly. So there is 2021 was kind of like two years in one, but basically we had two businesses. For a good portion of the year, we had the agency and the coaching program. And between those two businesses, we had three offers. And there is a story that has been circulating by me, because <laughs> I'm outing myself, where I got so busy throughout that period, where we were growing, I was making all this money, it was fantastic on the surface, but I was in Zoom calls all day. So much so that on one fateful day, I ended up peeing in a bottle while I'm on a Zoom call, because there's so many back-to-back and I remember that being such a low moment of like, I, I probably only want to do this once in my career. I think, <laughs> I think I'm a one-time pee-in-a-bottle type of guy. And so it's very intense. And so while I wasn't working a lot of hours, and I would say 40 to 50, which is much more than I'm comfortable with these days, right? But it wasn't like I was pulling 80 hours a week. It was breakneck speed, right? I was getting up early. Most of our team was in America. I was getting on sales huddles, on co coaching calls. I was creating content. I was doing all of the things, right? And the focus here was really around, you know, ads, funnels, sales. And we had to keep just enrolling more clients every month to pay the bills, right? Sound familiar? Right, you gotta, you gotta keep enrolling clients every single month. And the, the thing that was characterized in the season was stress, right? I was leading, I was living, I was thinking, I was breathing from a place of stress. I was so inflamed. I just, everything I was doing, even though there were so many good things, right? Making money, making a difference, 
I was still knew that the business model I had was not the business model that I wanted. And a lot of that season was characterized by trying to be someone I wasn't. And what's really interesting about this, as a fun side note, is uh, Alex Homozi, for example. So he's an amazing guy, legit one of my favorite humans. He doesn't run his businesses, right? So I had a picture of Alex Homozi where he was like in meetings all day doing all this stuff. So I was like, I need to be like that. And so I was just trying to be someone I wasn't. You know, Sam Ovens, another mentor of mine, six days a week, he's in the office 13 hours a day. And he's been doing that for years and years and years. His program, Consulting Accelerator, which is like a masterpiece of a course, for every one hour of recorded content he put in there, he took 20 to 30 hours to make that one hour. So for me, I was like learning from these people that firstly didn't have kids, secondly, <laughs> had a completely different skill set, a completely different paradigm, uh, and I was trying to be like them. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. I just thought I was trying to be smart. I thought I was trying to like learn the best way to run a business. And so in 2022, uh, at the end of 2021, it all comes crashing down. Not financially, but internally. I moved to LA, and this is a move that my family and I have been excited about for so long. When I was 18, this is, this is kind of getting personal. When I was 18, I have a conversation with uh, my now wife, Olivia, who I was dating at the time, and I said two things to her. I said, if this relationship is going to work, there are two things you need to understand about me. The first is, I'm going to be a youth pastor for at least the next five years. And the second thing is, I believe I was put on earth to influence people in Hollywood. And so if you vibe with those two things, I think this is going to work out. And if you don't, that's totally cool. So LA for me was like this, this, and even still to this day, such a deep sense of connection with that city. And so we get to LA and I should be excited. The problem is I land in LA with my family. We get to the Airbnb. The only way I could describe the next 30 days, which was completely off, I was on holiday, the team was running the business, is my body went on low battery mode. You know what I'm talking about? It's like your, your phone's on 3%. It's like all the features stop working. It starts lagging. It goes dim. It was like, that's how my body was operating in that season. It was like, everything just felt so colorless. And I was just so stressed. And I didn't know what was going on because I had this amazing business. I just landed in the city of my dreams. And yet here I was living life in low battery mode. And so I'm starting to reflect the start of 2022 about the business that I wanted to create and I actually didn't have an answer. I just knew it wasn't what this was. And actually one of the key things that if you're struggling with clarity, one of the easiest ways to get clarity is to get clear on what you don't want. It's actually a really powerful way to start cycling, like, like filtering down to the things you do want is to get clear on the convictions you have about what you don't want. And so 2022 for me was a year characterized by ticking things off, process of elimination. It's like that game where you have uh, sets of faces in front of you. It's like, does your character have glasses? Nope. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, that's what I was figuring out. And so in 2022, uh, we go from a team of 13 in end of 2021. And in 2022, I basically fire everybody. And I say, we are turning off marketing and sales altogether. And so we go from a team of 13 down to a team of three. Uh, me plus three, so four of us. And we literally turn off ads and funnels for six months. And this crazy thing happened. Our business didn't shrink. So all of a sudden, in 2022, we have one business. 
And the other thing that happened was I went from having a front-end offer called the High Ticket Club and a back-end offer that was called the Community Kings Mastermind, and I simplified it down to one offer. And around this time, you guys all remember the Purple Business Bible, you know, $100 million office? Yeah, that came out. Everyone was obsessed with how do you create an offer so good people feel stupid saying no. But around this time, I came up with this question for myself, how do we create an offer so good people would feel stupid to leave? Right? How do you create an experience in a program or a service that's so compelling, that's so powerful, that's such an incredible experience from community to connection to the content to the progress that people are experiencing that people don't want to leave? And so in 2021, we were obsessively getting clients and in 2022, we started obsessively figuring out how to keep them. So around this time, everything was characterized by simplicity, right? And if we think about the 2021 growth phase, ads, funnels, sales, acquisition, the focus here became retention. How do we retain clients? The other thing that happened was I started to really uh, figure out ways to increase the LTV of certain clients I was working with. So there was one client last year, one sole client, that paid me 350,000 US last year. And so I was looking for ways in which I could extract more value and give more value to the people that I was working with by trying to figure out how to broaden my consulting experience, my consulting skills, while still uh, having a business that I liked. And it, it was interesting because I started moving towards something that most people tell us to move away from, which is selling time for money. But what's interesting is the question that becomes like, we all sell time for money, it's just that some of us are more honest about it than others, and are we getting what we want for our time so that it actually feels worth it? And so I literally started selling consulting hours in this mix. And I, I should probably mention this. Uh, 2021, we did two million, cash collected. And if 2021 was characterized by stress, 2022 was characterized by simplicity. And what's crazy is we turned off marketing and sales for all that time. It went from a team of 13 down to a team of three, and we still did 2 million. And that brings us to this year, 2023. So end of 2022, by the way, I hope you guys are following the dates. I know I'm saying like freaking a year every other word. End of 2022, I haven't marketed and sold in six months. I reduced my hours to eight hours a week, legitimately. Very little work in the business. And at that point, I wasn't feeling any better. I was still like, I don't really like this business, but maybe it's time that we start marketing and selling again. So I bring back Dylan to the team. I'm like, Dylan, you're the appointment setter again, brother. Welcome back. And he's like, thank you, sir. And then I bring on a closer and I'm like, I bring back our closer, Dallas. And I'm like, Dallas, come join the team. We're going to scale again. And we start having these meetings, you know, sales meetings, sales huddles. And I'm not trying to muster all the passion I can possibly find from my head because there's none in my heart. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, guys, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get to like 10 clients a month. It's going to be great. Like, it's just going to be awesome. And we do that for a couple of months. And I'm like, I am not feeling this. And a couple of things were happening. The first was I realized I really lost passion with the way I was helping clients. I'd spent basically two years at this point just talking about Facebook groups. So like if I had to answer another like, hey, so like how do we set up the Facebook group? Like what should I call it? I was going to like, you know, <laughs> you know. I'll, and so there was that element where I realized I'd fallen out of love with the way in which I was working with clients. And this is actually such a key piece to think about with your business. Because we're going to talk about the structure of how you set up your business model uh, soon. The most important question you have to answer is four things. 
am I working with the people that I love? Am I helping them solve a problem I'm excited to solve? Number three is, am I making a promise I'm excited to fulfill? Right, so person, problem, promise. Number four is process. This breaks down into two pieces, unique mechanism and deliverables, okay? Am I excited about the way in which I'm working with them? So you could help coaches get more calls, get to 100K a month, and you could do it through a SaaS, right? You could do it through a one-to-one coaching program. You could do it through a leverage coaching program. You could do it through an agency. All of those things are so radically different, your life will be really different based on the business model that you have. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So four Ps, person, problem, promise, process. Am I excited about the person that I'm working with? Am I excited about the problem that I help them solve? Am I excited about the promise that I'm going to fulfill, right? The, where, where am I gonna take them in the journey? Is it more sales calls? Is it a million dollar building business? Is it 10 sales calls a week, whatever it might be? And then the process, how do I feel about fulfilling on those things? which is both the mechanism, like for me it was Facebook groups and I realized I'd completely fallen out of love with that. And then there's the business model itself. And so we're starting to launch back into ads and funnels and all those types of things. We start building a podcast funnel. So basically we have people booking in, our ideal clients booking in podcasts with us. And then we actually move that to a sales call. So it's like this brilliant strategy we learned from the CEO of Gym Launch. They do about 30 million a year in the gym space. And it was this podcast funnel that we're like, we're gonna scale this to like 20 podcast episodes a week. This is gonna be fantastic. And everyone wants to be on a podcast. So it's the easiest frictionless way to generate a lead ever, right? You go, hey, would you like to be on a podcast? They're like, fantastic, I love being, you know. And so we had this funnel and it was like so exciting. And I just, every time we talked about it, I was like, man, I, I don't know what I want. And so we come into this year and all I knew was what I didn't want. And I was trying to shift the business incrementally. A little bit here, a little bit here. And I had this moment of clarity, which is, I don't know what I want. All I know is the only way I'm gonna find it is if I start over, blank sheet of paper. So February of this year, we let go of everyone, and it's me and a virtual assistant. And then I take every client that we have, and I say, your time is either up, or you can transition, pay me the same amount of money, and I'm just gonna one-to-one coach you, right? So I, I took the lessons of last year, which was the selling time for money, and I was like, great. And so I can't remember exactly how many clients I had, but I maybe had 10 to 12 stick around, right? And so I was coaching about three to four hours a week, and I was like, this is great. Over the next few months, I take that to 100K a month USD, completely one-to-one. And so this is only about 90 days ago. And so it's me and a virtual assistant. And we make $100,000 uh, US, which is about 160,000 New Zealand, at 95% profit. And I'm like, okay, there might be something to this like model that I'm coming up with. And then recently, uh, I launched a scalable offer. And we'll talk more about offers and offer design soon. A scalable offer, which is a community, right? So there are, um, I'm trying to think of there, yeah, people in the community here, right? Um, and that is no one-to-one with me, but it's content, community, in-person intensives like this. And then I enrolled 35 clients into a $15,000 offer over 30 days, right? So now my business, if we walk through it here together, right? One business, thank goodness I didn't create any more in the process. We've now got two offers, but I took one one-to-one coaching offer to 100K a month. 
And then the characterization here, and this is really key, is that instead of retention, it's actually about model. So it's intentionally designing a business model that reflects my goals, okay? This is the most important thing that if I could gift you anything over these next two days, is your business model will either be created by default or by design. So you are either going to inherit the business models and the advice from other people. You're gonna go through Sam Ovens Consulting Accelerator. You're gonna join Taki's program. You're gonna work with a, a coach and they're gonna say, here's the best way. And the problem is, they have different skills than you do. They have different passions. They might have kids, they might not. They might be married, they might not. All of those things actually play into whether this is the right business model for you. So here's what I know to be true. For each one of you, there's actually no perfect business model. But what there is is probably a perfect business model for you and your season. So like my ability to think about my business now as a jet ski versus a cruise ship has actually influenced the way I think about this. So let me give you this analogy. So most of us treat our businesses like cruise ships. There's all of this responsibility on our shoulders and we think if we're gonna make a change, it needs to be so well thought out. We're gonna launch an offer, we're gonna change the model, we're gonna take our time to do it. I like the fact that I treat my business like a jet ski, right? <laughs> Occasionally some people fall off the back, right? <laughs> no, um, I can change and twist things all the time. So I stepped into one-to-one -one and it was fantastic. I made all this money, gained me all this experience, it was fantastic. And then I was like, well, what if I launch this community? I feel like that might be more aligned with this season and what I want out of it. So the more nimble you can actually bake your business model, the better you can design it for yourself. Because every single one of us not only has desires, big desires over our life, right? Who do we want to become? What kind of business we want to have? What kind of money do you want to make? You actually have seasons, right? So anyone who has kids knows that, that those first few months, chaos, bro. That's <laughs> like getting thrown into the fire. And so you might create a business model that reflects the needs of that season. So like if you are in a season that things outside of the business demand more of you, it's probably not the time to put your foot on the accelerator, right? There are other seasons where you have energy, where you're fueled by mission and passion. You, there's a sense of conviction in everything you're doing and you might be able to push more towards it. The problem is we try and create one business model that is not even made for us, right? And then we try and just run that business model day in and day out, season in and season out, not really asking ourselves, what is the business that's going to help me achieve the goals for this season of my life? And so what happens is many of us actually have our foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time. So there's this powerful idea here that we don't grow into pain. So if you have a misaligned model where you, you equate growth with pain, you will subconsciously self-sabotage yourself to actually hold yourself back from the greater pain. Does that make sense? It's so simple when we hear it like that, and yet most of us have our foot on the accelerator and the brake because we're growing a misaligned business model. And so whether it's the way we sell clients, whether it's the actual clients we work with in the first place, whether it's the way we deliver for them, we have to create this aligned model that feels like it's fueling the goals for our season, it's fueling the aspirations we have for our life, and it's actually exciting, not just when a client says yes, but when you actually get to work with the clients, right? Like if we're honest, like sometimes 
a lot of our business, the most exciting moment is when we get a Visa or MasterCard. And then everything's downhill after that. You're like, yay, sale. Oh no, fulfillment, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so what we need to do is create business models that actually reflect our goals, reflect our personalities, allow us to be at our best, and reflect the goals and the season that we're in. So let me land the plane here on these models and then we'll keep working through them, right? So the focus here was model. The benefit has been this idea of flow. So here's what I know to be true about my business right now. I only do stuff I want to do. And I'll never forget having a conversation with Hormozzi a few years ago. I asked him about 75 hard. Does anyone know what 75 hard is, right? We just torture ourselves for 75 days and then hope we come out better on the other side than this woman we went in, right? No alcohol, like gallon of water, two workouts a day. And he said something so interesting that I think many of you will struggle with. Most entrepreneurs mistake difficulty for progress. So we think the more we can ratchet up the difficulty in our life, the more progress we must be making. The harder things are, that must be good for us, right? We go to the gym, muscles grow through the breakdown of tissue. And so we think that the more difficult we can make something or the more difficult we can make our life, the more progress we must be making. On the flip side, if everything feels easy, we must be doing something wrong, right? Because entrepreneurship is hard. But here's what I know to be true is that entrepreneurship is hard because it requires you to grow as an individual. What it doesn't require is for you to make everything so hard that business feels like torture. And on the other side, you hope that one day, someday, at the end of the rainbow, you're going to go, okay, I'm at seven figures now. Life is awesome. And then you get there and you're like, oh, it's still shit. <laughs> this is still hard. Why am I doing this to myself? And so one of the things that's characterized this season for me is trying to find the sense of flow of what do I actually want to do every single day in my life? And trying to eliminate as many of the things I don't want to do as possible to do as much of the things as I do want to do. And so if you want to simplify how to create an amazing model, an amazing model has you doing the things you enjoy doing as much as possible, right? Because a business model is not this like out there, like one day, like it's not this ethereal thing. A business model is like real rubber meets the road. You have to show up and deliver to one-to-one -to -one clients. You have to go and do a C-suite, like, like it all has real world implications. And so the best way to design a business model that is right for you is one in which you have more things in your day that you're excited about than you're not. Because we often struggle to actually make our aspirations in life real. We say things like, we want to live a great life. We want to be on our deathbed and be close to our kids and have all of these things we're proud of. When the reality is a great life is just made up of a lot of great days, right? And a lot of great days are just filled with a lot of fulfilling activities. And so the easiest way to see if you're going in the direction you want to be going is ask yourself, how do I feel about the days that I'm living through and working in right now? Because how on earth would we expect to get to the end of 2023 and go, this was an amazing year if we're not looking at the next week and going, this is going to be an amazing week, right? We have to take the macro and make it micro. We have to actually design things with intention. And then on terms of money, right? 2021, 2 million, 2022, 2 million. What's funny is I literally have no idea how much I'm making this year in revenue because I don't track it. The only thing I'm looking at is profit, right? I, I, I found this on the web. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Fantastic. Um, 
And so uh, this year, I'm on track for $1 million uh, USD profit. With me, a virtual assistant, and Dylan. <laughs> and here's what's really important to know. Dylan is actually not a requirement to make the million dollars. Dylan, hiring Dylan, having him on team, is the growth trajectory. So when you simplify all of these different ways in which you can uh, think about how to get clients, how to keep clients, how to market and sell, and you really start to be counterintuitive in the way that you act. So for example, uh, a few months ago, I was talking to a mentor and she said she hadn't been on a one-to-one -one video call with anyone since 2019. That for me was like blasphemy. I was like, are you, like, are you serious? Like for me, I've like been living on video calls freaking since COVID and before. And so she was just like, yeah, I just don't do it. And I find that the energy I have after the calls, the energy I can bring to the calls is so much more powerful. So ever since then I heard that, I did that. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, this is way better for my business. And I can be out walking, I can be doing whatever, I can be out of the sun, this is amazing. That's an example of a preconceived notion I had around how these types of businesses needed to be run. We have all of these micro areas of our business that are just by default, right? Like selling via sales calls. I have enrolled 60 clients in the last 90 days, no sales calls, right? Everything from kind of thirteen to $18,000 and beyond. And so I want to really expand your mind around the things that you assume to be the way they have to be by default. And what I really want to challenge you to think about over these next two days and throughout these conversations is how do you uh, architect a business that is by design, not for someone else's success, but for your own. Not just a reflection of someone else's goals and zone of genius and skill set and experience, but reflective of your own. So, let's walk through, I'll actually skip this. Let's talk through the new era model right now, but is this making sense so far? Any questions so far? Yeah. 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 Like what you see on social media is what my life actually looks like. Yeah. My business has such a small play in what I do, but what I do in my business right now in this season sucks. Yeah. Right? So I look at my life and I go, gray days, yeah, I have ninety percent gray days, ten percent suck work, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Eliminate but, suck work. Yeah, yeah, this is a great question. Yeah. So I'll approach this as a dad, right? Raising kids is hard. And majority of the time, it sucks, right? Like, and when I say majority of the time, what I don't mean is that it's all bad moments, but it requires something of myself that is a sacrifice, right? Whether it's sitting down and playing Legos, that's fun for the kid. Yes, it's easier than like freaking going doing taxes, but I would still rather not be doing that with my spare time. So all of it, is created and, and, and done in such a way, uh, an intentional way, because on the arc of my life and their life, the sum total is gonna be awesome. I know what the cost of having an absent dad is, so for me, this is a cost I'm willing to pay for the sum total being good. The problem is this, 
Most of us create businesses because we want an awesome business. Like we create, like what Dan was saying, I want to I want to experience freedom. I want to help clients get freedom, right? And so we create a business that's like, we want this business, to, like we're not working a job so we don't have to do stuff we don't want to do. So we don't have to report someone we don't want to report to. And then we become our own worst boss. And we, we architect something that's maybe even worse than working at JB Hi-Fi down the street, right? And so what you want to do is ask yourself from a bird's eye perspective, is this moving me closer to the life that I want or further away? Because if you're spending 10% on sucky work, but that's enabling the 90%, firstly, that might be a trade that you're willing to pay for a long time. Because if that's only a portion of your life, then that might be well worth the sacrifice, right? We don't go to the gym just because we love the pain, right? It's because the overarching goal of health is worth this moment of sacrifice. That being said, you then want to challenge yourself and say, based on what I'm employed to do on this team, what my partnership agreement says, what, what my greatest contribution will be, is there a way I can make it less sucky? Like, is there a way that I can design this? And this is where you start looking at the micro areas and you start going, okay, I'm in all of these calls. Uh, do I need to be on the calls? Can this call be an email? Does it need to be on video? What if I stack my calendar in such a way that one day is call day, the next day is creation day? This is where you start to realize that the business model itself is not just the macro decisions of do I sell via DMs or via calls, or do I do one-to-one or do I go to group? It's how we manage and lead our life. It's this idea of self-leadership. So for me, I have two days a week, Tuesdays and, and Fridays, where I do calls. I do about six hours of calls both days. I'm smoked after, but I do no calls Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday are like content creation days, right? So Tuesdays and Fridays, if you were to ask me, hour five, hey bro, is this like fun? I'll be like, no, like I'm, I'm tired right now, you know? But in the, in the week, I'm enjoying this business. Does that make sense? So it's not about each moment leading to this, I love my business. Like sometimes I have to like sit and shoot a module and I'm like, gosh, I'm like, it's the last thing I want to figure out is like how to break down this big idea and making all these bullet points. Like I created a module on YouTube creation the other day and I just went so deep down the rabbit hole of like software and tools and I was like finding hyperlinks for microphones and stuff like that. I was like, I don't want to be doing this, but this is what's best for the client, so it's going to be best for me long term. Does that make sense? You want to, But you want to zoom out macro and micro and the relationship between those two things because where most people get it wrong is they only think on a macro perspective, meaning they think they're going to create an amazing business, but they don't understand how the relationship between day to day and year to year works, Right? People also do this with money. I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And they're at like 15K a month, right? If you do the math on how that projects and how fast you would have to grow to get that million dollars, most people really struggle between the zoom in and the zoom out. So that's what you want to be able to do is by intention, design a business that moves you in the direction that you want to be going in your business and your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, you just basically told me to suck it up and enjoy my life the way I'm living. <laughs> Possibly. If that's what you heard, then that's what you needed to hear. <laughs> Dan, can I just ask, I love that you're challenging the paradigm because we often get, hey, this is how you've got to run this business model to scale to this height. So I find that really refreshing. Um, and obviously there's a lot there, which I'm like, hence why I'm in the room. I'm like, really high profit model, simpler, doing more of the things that you love. <laughs> it, it's a model that is built around your skill sets. So <laughs> how transferable is that to other people? Yeah, so this is a great question and 
I'll probably defer it to the next session where we're gonna talk about model and offer design. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah, because I talk about how to build around yourself and how to build around a team. But one of the things I will say is that we almost always like, the, the old quote, businesses die more often from indigestion than starvation. So what we do is we create a really complicated model, right, or a really complicated team. And then when you, like you think about how most of our offices are right now, like my office in Bali one day, I was like looking there and there was like computer, microphone, screen, lights. And then I think I had one other thing. And I was like, goodness, I need a cord management strategy, right? You know, because you just got the thing. I had, a, I had a treadmill, I had a treadmill disc, right? And then I had a standing disc, so it was another cord. And I was like, I need a cord management strategy. And then I just had this thought, what if I just had less cords? And so all of a sudden I just started ruthlessly eliminating all these things. I'm like, I don't need these lights. I've got windows right here, like I'm good. And so I started questioning whether or not I needed this in the first place. And that was what was so interesting about 2021 to 2022. I had nine less team members and made the same amount of money. So if you asked me in 2021, do I need the team members? I probably would with high conviction been like, totally. Yeah, yeah, this person's amazing, this person's amazing. What I didn't realize is that I lacked the discipline to only add out of necessity. I was forever hiring out of vision, right? So I was like, yeah, this person doesn't really, don't really need a full-time role, but they're great, or I was afraid to fire people. And so you'll see this a lot with people's business models with offers. You might have one offer that's bringing in 80% of the revenue and one offer that's bringing in 20% of the revenue. People lack the discipline to eliminate the one that's 20% because it's still making money, right? So you can justify every area of business. Oh, I'm doing this funnel and I'm playing around on TikTok and it got a lead a few weeks ago. And it's like, cool. Like you can make money in any way you want. But where is your focus and energy supposed to be flowing to? Because there is a finite energy and time that all of us have. And so it requires that discipline to not just go, okay, I'm going to fire everyone like Dan so that it's just me, but to look at every area of your business and justify its existence, right? And based off the business that I want and the lifestyle that I want, having these things, do they move me closer to that or further away? So for me, I 100% know I would make more money if I had a sales team right now but then it would require me managing a sales team, which sounds like hell for me in the season. And so that's where you wanna start being ruthless and asking every, like justifying every area of your business's existence from team to funnels to offer to levels of service, whether we wanna continue this and is this moving us closer to the business and life we want or further away. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool, we'll circle back to that. Well, just quickly, um explain what you meant by they digest and digestion. Digestion, starvation. So like, here's what's really interesting. Beginners, so if you think about like the entrepreneurial brain, let's start by acknowledging it's not normal, right? How you think is not how most human beings think. So that's why if you're a YouTuber, you will get infinitely more views on YouTube if you do a video on how to stop procrastination rather than how to find focus. Does that make sense? Most of the world's population has an idea that they've been thinking about for years. It's that book I want to write. I think I'm going to do a half marathon. I've got important things to do on the to-do list. But here's what we do. When we're confused or stressed, a normal person, normal person, right? A normie, they will actually go to inaction. Most of us will go to overaction, right? So we will actually do more when we're stressed. Like when your business isn't growing and you don't know why, most people don't sit on their hands and go, 
Let's just see what happens. Most people start launching new offers, hiring team members, launching new funnels. And so most businesses die from doing too much in too many different ways. Like, so I work with people all the time and we're on like an onboarding call. They could be making a little bit of money or a lot of money, it doesn't matter. And the theme of like 17 different funnels, I've got this offer, this offer, this offer, and this offer, and this offer, is so common versus people with lean, simple business models, right? Because it requires so much disciplined thought and action to get there and stay there. And then the worst part is, the longer we're in business, typically the worse the business gets, right? It's the cord management strategy. If you don't manage how many devices you have, you then just keep adding new devices without taking them away. It's what my wife is criticizing me of right now. I'm like, come on, babes. It's just a third computer. Like, of course I need this. But the point being is that like, when, if we're not designing our businesses by intention, by default, it will just become messier, which is where you have struggling entrepreneurs that have six businesses, right? Have you guys ever encountered this? Like this is, this is huge in New Zealand, right? It's like, and it's huge in LinkedIn world as well. It's like, I remember taking sales calls from LinkedIn in 2019. And I remember their profiles were like 3X founder, like crypto investor, like advisor, doing all this. And then you get on a sales call and they're like, yeah, I'm just unemployed right now. And you're like, whoa, 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 where do we get to there? But it's because typically it's so uncommon to find focus, uh, find focused entrepreneurs, because that's not the default place of an entrepreneur. That's what you have to fight for, right? And so that's where the, the saying starvation versus indigestion is that it's not that a business dies because we don't do enough or because we don't have enough, it's because we do too much. Yeah. And all that energy and focus is in so many different areas. Yeah, totally, right? Okay, the new era model. Let's break it down, feel free to take notes. Uh, you'll also all get these PDFs after. Um, but this is the new era model as I see it. So there are four main areas of the new era model, okay? The first is mastery. The second, and we're going to spend a lot of time on mastery for the rest of the session. The second is model. The third is conversion. And the fourth is leverage. So let me define what the new era model is about. Really simply put, the new era model is designed to build a business where as it gets bigger, life gets better and not worse. Most people's lives get worse the bigger the business gets. So you have people who are at $20,000 a month making $15,000 a month of profit, and it's fantastic, right? But they have this appetite for more. So then they go for $50,000 a month, and their profit goes to $20,000 a month, right? Or whatever it might be. And then you have that thing like, we have clients all the time. They go from like $35,000 a month, mostly profit, to like $100,000 a month and the same profit, right? Now that could be strategic if you're going for an exit or you're a season of growth for short periods of time. But what happens is businesses, as they get bigger, mostly for the owners, they get worse, right? Less profitable, more stressful, more people to manage. And the only thing you have going for you is a really sexy Stripe screenshot. Oh, I'm making all this money, seven-figure entrepreneur, whatever it might be, right? So the new era model is designed with, with two things in mind, scale and fun, right? And then the third piece of that is client results. If we can get that trifecta going, right? Fun, profit, and client results, we are moving in the right direction, right? So this is subjective in that whatever it needs to look like for you to hit your goals, but it's based on the foundation that we wanna build a business that as it gets bigger, life gets better and not worse. So let me touch on each one of these things and we're gonna go deep on mastery for the remainder of the time. But are you guys good? Yeah. We tracking well? Cool. 
Um, anyone need a drink break? Cool, feel free to grab a drink if you need. By the way, you can get up and grab a drink at any point. So, the first area is mastery. And we'll be diving deep on this, but I just want to quickly surface level. Tony Robbins says two things. So firstly, let me read these two quotes. Alex Sharfin, the guy I told you about before, is if you don't have the business that you want, it's because you haven't become the person who can run it yet. Right? Let me say that again. If you don't have the business that you want, it's because you haven't become the person who can run it yet. Second quote, Tony Robbins, success is 80% psychology, 20% strategy. So this whole idea of mastery is the foundation of your business. Most people think they're just one funnel away, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I signed up to ClickFunnels in my first funnel, built the business that I wanted. But the reality is, is that people neglect this area. We're going to go deep on this throughout these two days and in this session because I believe for some of you, the only thing you have to do is raise your level of self-leadership and self-mastery and you will achieve a better business. You might not even need an additional funnel. You might, you might be searching for a tactic, but the thing you need is greater psychology. So we'll be talking about that. The second thing is model, right? We've had so much discussion on this already, but really this comes down to the way in which you serve your clients, right? That's ultimately it. Like it's model and offer, right? What are we selling? What are we delivering? Does this align with our goals, the business, the season that we actually have? Number three, how do we take people from cold to sold? Right? So conversion is about appointment setting, it's about sales, ads, funnels, sales teams, all of that fits into that. But it's really about, do I have a mechanism to take people from cold to sold with the least amount of stress possible? A lot of ways to convert clients, very few that feel simple. And then number four, how do we create leverage so we are not doing everything ourselves? Right? So I only have a team of two, but those two people do stuff I don't want to do. Right? So my virtual assistant handles so many things that I don't want to do or that I'm not good at or that my time is better spent somewhere else. So leverage is about creating systems, automations, maybe even using AI team members to buy back your time. So you can focus on revenue generating activities in your business, right? So like last night, we're trying to figure out microphones, right? So we go and buy some microphones and like we're figuring all this stuff out. And I'm like, cool, Dylan, you got the sort of bro. Like, I'm just going to go hang out in my room for a while. Right? The point is, is that there are so many things you can do in your business, but are they the best use of your time and energy? Right? That's what leverage is about. Right? How do we create a business as it gets bigger, life gets better and not worse? That leverage piece is so key. So let's spend a few minutes on mastery. And I would love to open up for questions. Then we're going to have lunch and then we're going to have a breathwork session. Okay, so mastery, self-mastery are three key pieces to this. Okay? And for some of you, this is the most important session these two days. It's opening up this conversation you're here, okay? So, number one is your heart. And all these, all these three are H's, right? Heart. Your heart is about your essence as a human being. This covers your character traits. It covers your emotions. And so much of the limit of your business right now is your heart. It's the essence of who you are. So, like, if you do not learn how to regulate your stress or your emotions, deal with setbacks and hardships, you will forever be limited by the amount of growth and the pace that you can keep because this, is, this thing is constantly pulling you back. The second piece is your head. 
This is your psychology or your beliefs. So if you think about your brain like a garden, the question is, is your garden dominated by weeds or flowers? And for many of us, we actually have so many self-limiting scripts and beliefs that our psychology is so poisoned through the programming of the world, for the programming of our childhood, of trauma, of the different things people have said to us over the years, that actually the biggest limitation is just simply that we don't believe in ourselves, right? And we don't have the right psychology that supports the goals that we want. And the number three is your hands. This is your skill sets. So do we actually have the capability to do what needs to be done for the business to grow? So Paulina was talking about copy, right? Copy is a skill set. If you don't learn the skill set of copy, it'll be forever the thing like that's a hole in the bucket that the water cannot rise above it because it's a skill set that's holding us back. And so what we want to do is get really clear on the skills needed to scale. You could have the right strategy. You could have the right psychology. You could have the right team, the right funnels. If you do not have the skills, you will be like a five-year-old in a Tesla, right? Got everything you need, don't have the skills to use it. So let's break this down one by one, okay? So your heart. So I'm going to warn everyone, everyone, everyone eye contact for a second. We're about to go deep, <laughs> okay? And this might get a bit esoteric, and you don't have to fully tune in and go, I 100% believe what Dan is saying, but I at least want to expand your capacity to think about yourself on this level. So I have done thousands of hours of coaching, pastoring, counseling through the years of pastoring and through the years of like uh, coaching. Even in the last three months, I've probably done 300 hours of coaching, right? Here's what I know to be true. Every single one of you has a worldview, a way in which you see yourself, a way in which you see the people around you, a way in which you see God, whether you believe in God or not, you have a view of the universe. Is the universe inherently bad? Are we on this spinning rock by accident? Like all of these things actually play into the way that we interact. Like I have family members, life is out to get them all the time. And if, if they are looking for evidence that everything is bad, all they need to do is turn on the news, open the newspaper, go to social media and everything sucks. I also have many friends that they think life is beautiful. And all they need to do is, oh my gosh, just get out of here. I don't know why that's happening. Anyway, um, I have friends that they think life is beautiful. And so everywhere they look, they find evidence for what they find, for what they're looking for. So here's what I know to be true of all of us is that we have a worldview. We also have emotional states that we live from. So some people live from a, a continued state of gratitude. And that influences everything they do. So like for me right now, I'm not, I'm not claiming that this is the state I live in all the time. But these two days, I'm like, the theme for me is, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Right? That's a very different energy than, oh shit, I've got to run a client intensive. Right? <laughs> And these are like, I'm saying this tongue in cheek, but you all have scripts in your mind about how you actually live your life. You show up to a team meeting. Oh, I can't believe I have to run this team meeting. Come on, I've got to manage these people, right? Forgetting you're, you're the person who hired them in the first place, right? And so you have to be one, aware of where you are and two, aware of your capacity to grow beyond it. So I'm going to start with a very, very personal thing, and then we're going to get into these kind of esoteric scales, okay? So last year was such a hard year 
because I thought the stress I was running from was external, right? So let me take you back to 2021, right? Low battery, Dan, right? I was like, oh, I'm working too many hours, right? Which, is, which, was, which was true. Like, and there was so many years of built up stress that I was like, the thing I need to do is take a break. So eliminated sales and marketing, simplified the business, team of 13 down to a team of four. The catch was October of last year, all the way into this new plan, I still felt exactly the same. I was working literally eight hours a week, making 100K a month profit. Life should have been like epic. And I was like, this sucks. And so eventually I just get so used to it. I'm like, well, I might as well just like launch the business again. And what I didn't realize was there was an internal stress that I've been living with my whole life. And there were unresolved traumas and things like that. Like my, my dad left when I was three weeks old and we had an incredibly turbulent life. When I was 11 years old, I got taken hostage for a few days. My sister and her ex-husband, he took us hostage. It was a horrific few days. I get picked up by my mum from this house in Mangere in Auckland. And she picks me up on my birthday. This is when the hostage situation ends. And we never talk about it. And we literally don't talk about it till two years ago. What I didn't know is she didn't know that that happened. So I'm 12 years old, I've just been taken hostage for a few days, and then all of a sudden, I'm just back in school the next day. And I'm like living this life. Now here's what's funny, if there's a funny side of that, <laughs> right? I remember listening to a podcast two years ago. I'm 32, about to turn 33. I remember being like 30, listening to a podcast, and someone was talking about trauma. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad I don't have trauma, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like if there's any level of denial that someone could be living in, I was there, bro. I was like, I'm, I'm good. And, and I, I, I was a pastor. Like at every opportunity, I had done the internal work that I was aware of. Like I had, I'd, I'd thought a million times, I forgive my mom, I forgive my dad. I'd done all these things. And it wasn't until last year I realized that so much of the state of who I was was being held back from these things that I refused to deal with. And for a long time, I wasn't even conscious of. January of this year, I had so much anxiety about coming back to New Zealand and being immersed in the brokenness of my family again. I actually decided not to come back. So we have to get out of Bali because of our visa. My wife hops on a plane. She goes to New Zealand with the kids. I go to Singapore. So I'm like in Singapore by myself because I'm like homeless. I don't know where to go, but I know I can't go back to Bali. I was like having panic attacks leading up to it. It was so bad. And then I'm like making plans. I'm guessing I'm going to go to Japan. I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember just having this moment of clarity in this hotel in Singapore where I just felt so strongly like I was supposed to go back and I couldn't solve all of the decades of stuff, but I had to at least start the process. I had to start these conversations. So I flew back. I surprised my, surprised my wife, walked in. She's like, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> you made it. Daddy's home. He's not running away to Singapore. Um, and so... Uh, so, and I have these conversations over the next few days where I talk to my dad and I'm able to like lay out all of the feelings and then eye to eye, which is something I've never done before, say, I forgive you. And then I got to do the same thing with my mom. And I remember the conversation with my dad, he left and I sat in the stairwell of that house that was just further down the mount. And I remember just crying as I felt like I'd healed different versions of myself throughout history. I felt like I just brought healing to 12 year old Dan and 16-year-old Dan. And my point being is that there are things in you right now that are actually holding you back from your next levels. They might be obvious to you, 
conversations you need to have, right? Actions you need to take. For me, I, I've had such a troubled relationship with alcohol the last few years, I just can't drink. Like, I, I wonder if I'm going to be like 65 enjoying a scotch with my mates, but I'm not going to be 33 doing that, right? Because I needed to eliminate that from my life to go to the next level. Are you guys following this? So I want to introduce two things, okay? The first is, there is this idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Firstly, from a marketing perspective, you need to understand where your clients live. Very important. Like, what are the most powerful primal instincts that the people you're trying to speak to actually living from? Because it's super different if you sell a course on how to get rich to broke people, the state of mind they are in versus people who are much further along in the journey. But what's really important to understand here is you actually live on a level. The point is not that you look at this and go, okay, this is where I'm at. These are all important, but we do not ascend to the next level unless we have our needs met. Does that make sense? Like if you are struggling to uh, put food on the table, you're not thinking, what do I want to do with my life, right? You're, you're, you're dealing with the ethics of do I steal bread, right? Do I, all of those things. This is, the, this is the layer deeper, okay? This is really nerdy. I might lose some of you, but I want to keep the idea of this, okay? So there's this book called Power Versus Force. It's one of my favorite books. And in the book, the author David Hawkins talks about how all of us live out of two primary emotional states. We either live out of force, which is we are trying to get things from other people, or we live out of power, which doesn't need anything from anyone else. Right? We're not trying to make our agenda happen in the world. We're, we're living from a more beautiful place. You might also think about it in terms of living from fear and living from love. And he put this thing together, and I'm not about to present it to you as if it's scientific fact. I want you to think about it in terms of this is interesting, okay? This is a map of consciousness, okay? So let me just walk through this right here, okay? So we're all familiar with the idea of enlightenment, right? The saints of the world that are just absolutely crushing it, right? Maybe they live in society, maybe they don't, right? But these are the people that feel so spiritually connected. These are the, uh, the gurus of the world, right? You would think about Jesus, you would think about Gandhi, you would think about these different people that would be in this space. And then if you go all the way down here, there are people who live in shame. That is the primary emotion that they bring to everything they do. This is their identity. This is the sexual abuse they encountered when they were younger. And what that does is that leads them to the predominant emotional state of humiliation, right? And then you have a view of life. It's miserable. You have a view of God that's despising. And, and I'll be honest, I literally don't know what any of that process stuff means at the end. So we'll just eliminate that. If I could scribble it out, which I can. Booyah. No idea what that means. Let's keep rolling. So here's what I want you to think about. If you look at these, right, and think about the emotional states for a second, I want you to have a look and where you think the emotional state is that you relate to the most. We're not going to share it. This is purely internal for you, okay? You will have a predominant emotional state that paints the picture of your life. So for many of us, right, if we get clients from a place of scarcity, that's completely different than getting them from a state of abundance. It's completely different living in anxiety versus living in optimism, okay? Then if we look over this side, let me go over here, giving you guys crowd work, crowd work, <laughs> high five. Okay, so, so think about the view of life for a second. You all have a view of life right now that's either helping you or hurting you, right? 
Like I'm deep in my family being back here, right? Their view of life, I would say, is like disappointing, right? No matter how good things get. Like I was talking to someone in my family the other day, don't want to name names, don't want to name and shame. They had like overgrowing trees, right? A friend came and cut the trees down for them. Do you know what their next thought was? Oh, now I've got to figure out what to do with the branches. <laughs> there are people who live in that state, right? And so what we need to understand is firstly, there are states that completely undermine what you're trying to do in your business. You're saying you want to impact people. You're saying you want to live a life of freedom. And then you're living out of shame and misery, wondering why that's never going to take place. But the person you need to be and you need to become to lead the business and create the business that you dream of is only going to happen over this line, right? And it doesn't mean you can't build a big business. It just means you won't know how to build a fulfilling one. Plenty of people are building billion dollar empires trying to prove the 15 year old bullies wrong, right? Trying to live out of the comments that my dad said I would never amount to anything. Hormozzi talks about that openly. Literally his first few years in business was just like him hate-fueled trying to like prove his dad wrong. You can build great businesses like that, great as in big. You can't build meaningful businesses. You can't build businesses that bring joy and fulfillment because that's not how those emotions, like it's not like two wrongs can make a right. You can't live out of fear and then experience love, right? And so what I want you to do is to think about these levels and to not judge yourself for where you are, but to firstly be honest with maybe a level that you are conscious of, one that you relate to. And for many of us, we live so unaware of the views of life that we bring to everything we do, right? Our team members are a burden. Our clients are demanding, right? Sales is hard. Marketing sucks. And we have all of these views that we bring to everything we do. And then we wonder why we build businesses and it's really hard. And I want to encourage you guys to be thinking about these levels. So let me flash through two more. Then we'll have a couple of minutes of questions. Okay. So the first question you want to, I want to ask you here is what actions do you need to take to grow in your emotional health? We're not going to set a timer. But the point of this is to realize that some of this, going from pessimistic to optimistic, from humiliation, shame, guilt, into more state, like higher states of love, right, is that you actually have to do something about it. This is not meditation. This is not affirmation. This is not just simply you thinking beautiful thoughts. This is sometimes you having to deal with the emotional dead weights that are tied around your ankles, dragging you down. And for some of you, there's an elimination of relationships or the dealing of trauma or the asking of forgiveness, the actual work that needs to be done to allow that ascension in your health to happen. Is this making sense? Did I lose you in the esoteric spiritual stuff? Perfect. Okay. Second question here. I'll keep this one brief. Head. Can I get in everyone's attention for a second? Because I want you to feel this. There are people that are not as smart as you that are not as capable as you, that do not care about clients as much as you do, who make way more money than you do simply because they believe in themselves. So there's actually a level where psychology is the number one limiting factor in your business. Why is Tony Robbins the dude that he is? Because of his psychology. Yes, he's got skills. Yes, he's been able to build a business. But when you're around that energy of someone who believes in themselves, who, who's created a congruent life where they, they say what they mean and they mean what they say, 
that's a powerful energy to be around. And so one of the things that I want everyone to consider here is that the gap between here and the next level for you might literally be you just fixing your psychology, right? And how you do this is really straightforward. It's easy in theory, it's hard in practice, but you start with this. You start by identifying where your thinking sucks. Like, I'm not going to name any names, but there was a number of you where as you were talking about yourselves, you said scripts over your life. I'm not this person. This is not who I am, right? Well, Paulina, you said you're not creative. Like, if that's, a, if that's a belief that you have in your life, do you know how hard life is going to be? Because we are born to be creative in our roles, right? As a parent, you have to be creative. In a marriage, you've got to be creative. So there are areas of our thinking that are actually undermining every action we take, right? Whether you think you don't, you're not good at something, or whether you've got an innate belief around people, or yourselves, or your own limitations. Can I, can I just share this? It's so weird being back in New Zealand. So through a crazy like setup of my business, I basically don't have tax. <laughs> yeah, I got some attention there. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> so here's what's crazy. I will take home this year as much as the people in the top 10 CEOs of New Zealand. Right? The journey I've been on for the last year has been very little skill, very little strategy, majority psychology. Right? And the way in which I've been uh, growing in this area is being exposing to people who make a million dollars take home a month. Right? So like I, I have this friend, Iman Gadzi. He is 23. He's worth $100 million. And he takes, takes home $1.5 million a month. Right? So I look at what they're doing and not out of insecurity or comparison, I just go, man, I'm thinking really small. And the more that I start thinking bigger and connecting with people much further ahead than me, the more I realize my thinking is small, the, the more I'm challenged to think highly of myself. Right? Not that I'm amazing, but I'm realizing we're all amazing, we're all living under our potential. So there are beliefs right now that you have that are coming from your environment. Right? Like, I could not be making this much money if I lived in Tauranga. There's no way. I had a conversation with a friend the other day. They're like, when is enough enough? Right? Don't you love those conversations? You're like, what? <laughs> and so there are things in your environment that are actually shaping the way you believe. There are things from your childhood right, that are scripts that are over your life. There are things in what you consume. I mean, goodness, if any of you guys are consuming the news, my goodness. And I was talking with Matt earlier, and it's this whole idea of like, program or be programmed. You're thinking, again, back to this idea, you're thinking will either be shaped by default or by design. I can tell you right now, after working with hundreds of clients, right, most of you are not thinking about how you think. And it has to be thought of like a garden, right? A garden does not drift into health. That's why gardeners exist. If you've ever seen a garden that's been left for a season, a winter, a summer, a year, that thing is in chaos. That's exactly how our brains go if we are not consciously pruning and removing the things that shouldn't be there to empower the things that need to be there. And so we're not going to do this right now for the sake of time, but I want to encourage all of you to do this. And there's a book recommendation I would love to make. The book is called Psycho-Cybernetics 
It's the most nerdy sounding title. I read it years ago. It's amazing. My wife, who's not a big book reader at all, recently read this because she, I love this. This is one of the highest compliments she's ever paid me. She said, well, a few months ago, I realized that my thinking sucks and I really like the way that Dan thinks. And so he says, this is his favorite book. I should read it. And so she started reading this book and she has said it's completely changed her life because it's on the psychology of self-image of how you see yourself. So I highly recommend checking this book out, okay? Third thing, and then we're going to eat. Psycho-Cybernetics. Yeah, let me just write it here. It's the most nerdy title. I feel like it would have sold way more if it had a better title, like The Psychology of Self-Image or something. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics. Okay, last piece. Last piece of this, really straightforward. Your hands. You need a skill development plan. A skill development plan. You have to intentionally work on the skills needed to get to the next level. This season for me in my life is all about communication. So all I'm focusing on is how I can be better in these environments and be better on video. It doesn't mean I'm not going to deal with being a better coach, like working with people, designing programs, but that's the number one skill I'm trying to develop. For some of you, there is one skill that's like the limiting factor, right? It's your ability to communicate, your ability to sell, your ability to market. And so over the last few years, I'm so, so grateful, excuse me, that I went through the process of running an agency, right? I actually had to get good at marketing, right? And so when I then came to marketing for myself, it was easy. Like I find marketing fun, right? You might be going, that's crazy. But that's what happens when you get good at something, right? You actually approach it and it's like a fun problem to solve. And so I want you to be thinking about your business and get really clear on two timelines. What are the skills I need to be developing over the next six months? And what are the skills I need to be developing over the next five years? Because there are realities that are in your future that are not now, right? That are in future seasons that you know you need to be doing, right? Like for me, I know there will be a day where Dan swallows his pride, builds a team again. And it will be the right season and it will be more than me, VA, Dylan, right? But... Right now, that's not my primary skill. And so you want to get clear on these things. And so here are the three questions, right? Think of your business and write down three skills needed to take it to the next level. So some of you need to dive into the abyss. You need to go to the area of your business that you've been, you've been fighting to avoid because it's the areas that we avoid the most that are often our biggest Achilles heels, right? Like I hate sales. Like, I never want to teach on sales. I don't like thinking about sales. But I've sold millions of dollars on the phone. So I had to do something I didn't enjoy to get the skills. Now, luckily, that wasn't my whole job. I didn't become a closer for somebody. But I closed for myself. Because that was a skill set I knew I needed. So you want to get really clear on these three skills needed to take your business to the next level. Number two, write down what you will do to develop them. This sounds so elementary. But I want you guys to actually create a plan. It's not saying I'm going to get good at copywriting. I'm going to get good at sales. It's going what, when, how is this going to take place? Is there going to be a course that you're rolling? Are there going to be books that you read? Life becomes very interesting the moment you decide something is important to you. Because all of a sudden you're going to have synchronicities happening. 
right? You decide that you're gonna get good at this area, you put your energy and intention towards it, and all of a sudden, you're in a conversation. And that person's bringing up a book, or that person's talking about a different tactic that you can apply to your business. It's like having a radar on your brain. All of a sudden, you get really, like it's that factor of like you buy a car, and then every car you see is that car, right? That's what happens when you start to decide intentionally, I'm gonna develop something. And then number three, like I mentioned before, write down the skills needed for five years from now, right? To give yourself a direction to move in. Like for me, I'm only gonna do more speaking. I know this is gonna be a five-year skill set as well, right? I wanna get amazing at content creation. I wanna get amazing at videos. All of these things are gonna be like lifelong things for me. So it'll be areas for you that you know you need to be developing over the long term as well. So I was gonna recap, but we've covered a lot. The new era model, like I said, is model, sorry, mastery model, conversion, leverage. And the areas of mastery that are so key to think about is head, sorry, heart, head, hands. Heart being our essence, our emotional state, our character traits, head being the beliefs and the psychology that either empower us or hold us back. And lastly is our hands, our skill set. So thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt going to be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in a future episode.